Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Welcome again to Doing It Right. And before we start, I hope you like my outfit. This is from Betty Ryder Boutique at Plaza Center at Preston Center. The Plaza at Preston Center, actually. And when you go through her red door, you will find incredible European designs of nowhere else in the city of Dallas. So check it out, will you? All right, let's get started for the today. This is so fascinating to me. I have been looking for an AI, artificial intelligence and innovation expert, for a year. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, I find my guest today. So let me tell you a little bit about it. I have to read it, frankly, a little bit because it's so amazing. As the use of artificial intelligence, AI, in governments, in cities, and companies, as that evolves, researchers looking for experts like my guest today to simply assess how technology is going to help predict smart city innovations and impact the future. For example, smart cities, uh, new innovation in intelligence. My goodness, my guest is going to tell you all about a new book that you see behind him called Innovating World 3.0. But before we get started in that, I just have to say what intrigued me most when I talked with Matthew last week was his curiosity, number one, I think you'd have to be curious, don't you, to do what he does, and his passion for how the digital world and and people can, can kind of interact. So um, he actually told me that the day is going to come when you and I will have a digital buddy to guide us through the day. So I'm going to ask him a whole lot of questions. Stay tuned. Don't you tune out for a minute because you're going to learn a whole lot. I know I did. Matthew, <laughs> James, Bailey, welcome. It's great to be here, Valerie. Thank you for uh, this opportunity for us to have a conversation and talk about inventing World 3.0. <laughs> well, you've got this book coming out, and I want to get into it in depth. But before I do, I'd like to ask you just some simple questions that I want to know. Is that okay, Matthew? I'd be delighted. <laughs> okay. Um you have such wisdom about all of this. I'm curious what you would say as far as just artificial intelligence, Matthew, what currently is going on that's really interesting that maybe people like me, the common person, doesn't really know about? As an example, you mentioned that AI is scanning the world for covid um, so what can you tell us about AI and how it's being used really effectively right now? Sure. So, well, first of all, is that the, the movement with artificial intelligence started in the 1950s with the, a, bit, a famous conference called the Dartmouth Conference in the United States of America. And that's where leaders from across the world, including um, uh, the U.S. and the U.K., uh, uh, 
came together and started to uh, examine, is it possible to create an intelligence that is digital-based? So today, artificial intelligence is already starting to become integrated in our lives. Uh, it's used in healthcare systems to detect cancer earlier. It's, of course, used in social media with all those rather annoying ads that we get all the time. But it's also being used uh, in, um, in, in, in decision-making. So, for example, uh, the, the ancient uh, uh, game of Go, the Chinese game of Go, which is probably the most complicated board game there is in the world at the moment and has been invented, uh, artificial intelligence has beaten the Go champion. And this is good because what it does, it validates the decision-making of artificial intelligence. So uh, AI is already being used in things like uh, self-driving cars uh, and is used in other uh, aspects such as in manufacturing and other markets around the world. And so what we're starting to see is the early uh, uh, discussion around how close does artificial intelligence come to the human experience? Mm -hmm. And that's where personalization of AI is so important. And there's a whole um, conversation for us to have around ethics for artificial intelligence. And if we get that right, where artificial intelligence honors the culture of the individual, mm -hmm. honors the free will and sovereignty of the individual, but becomes supportive in their daily life, then we're looking at a very interesting transformation for the world. And furthermore, um, we face some global challenges uh, with climate change, don't we? Yes. And so, uh, and we have these uh, 17 United Nations Sustainability Goals, which is about how do we do good for the whole of humanity. And so the book talks about how do we achieve that? How do we create what I call environmental evolutionary AI? And also, how do we create democratic evolutionary AI that supports the whole of our world to move into a new reality. Does that make sense? It, it does, and we'll delve deeply into that. I'm curious about why people are afraid of AI. You know, you, you hear people, sure. including me, say, well, Big Brother, and I know that Google, my Google Home, Alexis, they're all listening to us. <laughs> you know, there's, there's this whole thing. Well, is that true, do you think? Well, I think that we have to be mindful around stewarding AI. I think humanity has to come to a new level of maturity. It has to understand what's its destiny and what's its purpose. And so we have this incredible tool called uh, digital intelligence or artificial intelligence that can become deeply integrated in society that really can make a positive difference. But we've got some fundamental things to discuss as a human race before we allow that to happen. And that is, we have to bring the public into the very conversation of the future of AI. And in the book, I talk about a need for a national referendum to engender public trust mm -hmm. in order to secure the data sets to actually train AI uh, for society. And this is really, really important. So, 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 so yes, uh, we, we absolutely need to look at AI, but we need to step back, I think, Valerie, and say, you know, where are we heading? Where are we now? What's our purpose? And how do we create meaning in society and meaning for everybody? How do we deal with social inequity? How do we deal with the digital divide? How do we literally move humanity into a new experience? And, and these are some of the big questions we need to to ask ourselves, and we need to be honest and transparent about it. 
So when you advise companies and, and governments, you advise globally, what are the questions that they're asking you? Well, I have to be a little bit careful, but let's, I can certainly indicate a few things. Um, the, the, the first thing is data ownership is really, really important. And at the moment, we have GDPR in uh, Europe, which is a leader. You know, Europe is, European Union is 27 countries that are come together. We've seen California take a leadership in data ownership, but we need to go much further. And so data ownership is really important. And then you have to have a conversation why it's important for every single citizen to steward their own data. And then there's a conversation in terms of what what that strategy would mean for the very economic future of countries like the United States of America. So data governance and data ownership is very much part of those conversations. And then it's also conversations such as, you know, the kind of East versus West competition where you've got China that is very much a leader in AI. And then you've got Canada and the US and the UK and other countries that are becoming leaders in AI. And by the way, Canada has I believe is a great strategy for any nation in AI. Um, And so then we're talking about, well, what does that mean for people's jobs? What does that mean? How do we change our education so that people become able to be able to program in AI? So, for example, Finland, 1% of all their citizens are being trained how to program in AI. That's 55,000 people. Now, of course, the U.S. is much bigger, 350 million people. But we really have to be look at these deep, profound societal impacts that AI will bring and put in the systems in place in order for everybody to move forward. And that's why public dialogue and looking at the very, very uh, designs of the systems that are in place at the moment that are human-centric and say, listen, if we're to be relevant in the future, we have to really look at how AI is going to participate in society and what does that mean for commerce, education, what does it mean for finance, what does it mean for housing, stewarding our resources, our transportation systems, our healthcare systems. You kind of get it, right? It's just, it's just fascinating to me. And to think that these things are really out there happening, this isn't just yeah. pie in the sky. You're the expert. You're telling us... People are working on this. You're working on this. Countries are working on this. I want to go to uh, the smart city. So I know enough to be dangerous, Matthew. I know what a smart city could involve. And you mentioned the easy example of just thinking about when I get in my car and all of the smart things that happen when I get in my car. So if I'm living in a smart city... Mm-hmm. What would I, I get up in the morning, what would I experience? Well, 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 first of all, is that when I started pioneering the IoT revolution 10 years ago uh, with a wonderful group from Cambridge, um, and I, it was great, it was, it was a privilege to be part of that group and, and, to, and, and to help uh, lead that global conversation with them, um, is that I knew very well that that artificial intelligence was going to be a a, a natural stage in digital transformation because we were securing data from the physical world to optimize systems in cities, street lighting, uh, smart buildings, uh, emergency response. You can't get it, right? So the whole point of smart cities is staged, right? So first thing is there's a connected city, which is where you have great connectivity, such as Wi-Fi, or you have great wireless communications like uh, 4G or LTE and 5G is coming. 
great fiber connection. Uh, a connected city uh, and local data center. So the connected city is kind of the, it's kind of like your nervous system of your body, right? It's, the, it's a communications network. And then what we do is we build intelligence on top of that. So what we do is we deploy sensors in the physical world, literally everywhere across the city that's getting data in real time. So the applications such as smart transportation, which means that you get to work without congestion, um, uh, things like air quality, so that uh, you know, you're know you breathing good air, uh, things like emergency response uh, uh, is more efficient now when there's a traffic accident. When we're looking at things like um, smart grid and local energy production, um, that's important for electrification so that we have more EVs and less pollution. Um, the, the, the smart buildings, smart campuses, public safety, where we're ensuring that uh, in cities you're kept safe all the time. Things like smart parking, where you can find a, uh, a parking space much quicker so you can go and buy that latest uh, uh, item of clothing that you really want to buy. So smart cities at the moment are a global phenomenon. They're a multi-trillion dollar market. And what we've seen is something really interesting here, Valerie, is that national government has been found to go too slow. And so innovation has come back to the region. And this is where I think innovation is actually going, back to the region. And so we're seeing cities take control of their future by uh, bringing their stakeholders together from the public sector, the private sector, education, federal research labs and business sectors and things like that to, to innovate their future together. And one of the great models is the Colorado Smart Cities Alliance that I co-founded with uh, Jake Rishavi from uh, Denver South Economic Development and Samantha and, and, uh, and with Arrow Electronics and, and some others. And, and, we, and, and this is looking at the states. And we went statewide. We said, you know, how do we bring the whole state into the digital transformation? And that includes the rural communities as well as the metropolitan areas in Denver. And, and that's very successful. And, 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 it, and it's all about smart cities are about bringing innovation to the region to use technologies to optimize the efficiency of human living and to make sure that the environment is working in partnership with the transformation of that region. That that's just blows my mind. It just really does. The other thing that blows my mind, Matthew, is telling me that someday I may have a digital buddy to guide yes. me. And you said, Valerie, you will love this buddy. This buddy is going to help meet all your needs. Can you please describe what that's about? Yeah, so, so, so first of all is that we have an intelligence, don't we? Most people talk about the brain because it's a safe place to talk about, or mindset, which is what I talk about in the book. But we also have intuition as an intelligence, mm -hmm. um, you know, gut feeling, some people call it. And we also have emotional intelligence. So AI can become a fifth element, if you will, to an extension of our intelligence. So your digital life or your digital self is captured through all these different systems that you have no control of. Bringing ownership back to the individual with that data to be able to train your personalized AI that has an understanding of what you like to do in your life and how you function is a fundamental step in the human evolution. And so this AI will know about you. It will protect your world in the digital world. It will guard you. Okay, because everybody needs guarding in the digital world, but it will understand 
what you need any moment in time. Now, there's a couple of things that are really important here. Your sovereignty will always be maintained. It will always be non-intrusive. So imagine an intelligence following you through your home, in your car, through your workplace, in your city, to your stores. This intelligence is always available to you. Now, there's no implants in this. And I think that we're industries going the wrong way if it assumes that humanity should be connected to the internet. I think that's a foolish mistake directly through brain implants, although there's many benefits that people like Elon Musk are doing with Neuralink, where they're bringing AI and technology into the human to help people to be able to walk again or see again. And so it's actually improving human life. And that kind of condition that um, enhances a human physical experience, I think is very important. But when it comes to our decision of how this fifth intelligence is going to be working uh, with us personally, I think that's a, uh, a non-intrusive intelligence. And look, this is important because um, it's about putting the individual at rest. How many times do we spend on our phone looking at Facebook or at emails, right? That takes mm -hmm. us out of unrest. If we had a personal buddy or a digital buddy that looked after that for us and only indicated the important things that we were interested in for that day, then that would make really good sense, right? Imagine that you're going through a city and AI is making sure that you're at rest most of the time through, through making the systems work perfectly for you. That keeps you at rest. When you're at rest, you're less stressed and therefore you're, you're prone less to disease. But also... You're, you have more freedom to consider who you are, what's the purpose in my life, what do I want to do here during my human experience? And so these are deeper philosophical questions that arise through a digital buddy. And so let's keep, let's go practical. So your digital buddy could be saying, hey, listen, in about 3,000 miles, your uh, oil needs changing. We know that you're going to visit ex, uh, visit an individual or a family friend or, or a social event. We're just going to schedule for that car to be have its oil changed on the way with no stress so that everything's done in harmony. So this is the kind of power that AI can have. Now, during the time of this global pandemic, what uh, having a personal digital body that's guarding our wellness, keeping our immune system uh, vibrant, making sure our mental health is good, that would have changed the way this pandemic would have impacted the world. Now, I'm not being trite here. One soul lost is one soul too many. However, there is an opportunity for us to move into pandemic resilient societies, and the book talks about this with this kind of personalized AI that focus on our well-being and our nurturing. That's, that was so much said, and that went so deep and you are deep. And I love what you said to me, Matthew, when I asked you to come up with sharing the things, the life's lessons that you've already learned. And, and you mentioned just a moment ago, uh, following our own intuition. One of the things you mentioned was for us as intelligent human beings, we have emotional intelligence, hopefully. Mm. And you said, trust that. You said, um, Valerie, you should, you should pay attention to your intuition and where it's leading us. You even used the word awakening. So um, just quickly tell us about that, that trusting our intuition, because I, for one, have learned through the years by not trusting it, oh, dear, why didn't I? Mm. 
Is it mm. is it something that we should just be more aware of? How do you trust your intuition? Well, th th these are great questions, and I want to thank you for asking them. Um, in our schools, we're not talk about intuition, are we? And, um, and and I think that's a mistake. I think we're missing a human trick in the uh, in the ability for us to be as, as the best we can be. Mm -hmm. um, in, intuition uh, and awakening. Um, from my experience, and we talked about Joseph Campbell, The Hero's Journey. Joseph Campbell, for the listeners, is one of the U.S.'s greatest philosophers that studied the uh, history of heroes and heroines and discovered there's a common theme in their path from uh, the moment of awakening to the moment of success to do what they felt guided to do to benefit humanity. Okay, And we see this throughout uh, our uh, Hollywood, right, with The Matrix, and even in Shrek, believe it or not. Um, so this really is about you becoming fully you. And as you awaken, then your intuition emerges. And this intuition really is a guide. And it's tapping into a, 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 a human intelligence that really we're yet to discover to its full potential. Potential. So, for example, uh, let me give you a couple of examples. So, um, when I came, I've been living in the U.S. for a few years now, and when I first came here, um, uh, my intuition guided me to uh, go to an event, right? And at that event, I, I ended up meeting um, a, 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 a wonderful individual called Jake Bishavi at Denver South Economic Development Partnership. And as a result of that, um, we ended up with a, a wonderful guy that invented voice over IP, Samantha. We found that we were aligned on a vision for innovation for Colorado, which was Smart Cities. And through that conversation, Smart Cities for Colorado was launched. Hmm. And so there's all sorts of, as you follow your hero's journey, like, for example, how did we meet? Mm -hmm. Okay. As soon as you reached out, my intuition said yes, because that's something that I developed over the years. And so, and we're on this wonderful program talking to the all wonderful audience. So intuition, I believe, is a is, is an asset that we can access as a human species that can take us into a, an adventure of our lifetime. Well, I hope that our listeners will pay attention to that because, yes, you're so right. I, I used my intuition when I found you on LinkedIn, and I'd been looking for, as I said, quite some time. Another thing you said, Matthew, that I found uh, really wonderful, you have a depth of, of purpose and uh, mm -hmm. a deep feeling for people. I'm curious where that came from. What, what was it like when you grew up as a little boy? Can you tell us a little bit about your family? Sure. So um, my, my mother was born during a bombing raid in World War II. Mm -hmm. And so I, am, I count myself lucky to be part of the human experience. Um, and um, so, so to my roots... Um, uh, my mother, my mother's a wonderful, a wonderful person, of course, because she's my mother. But she is a public champion in the UK for healthcare to the general public, and um, she, she's written books about healthcare and things like that, which is wonderful. Um, so there's something, and she's an entrepreneur and very successful. 
and beat cancer twice and still travels the UK supporting research for healthcare. Mm -hmm. So there is something in my lineage from my mother around uh, caring for people. What I've found is through my own personal, uh, if you like, awakening, is that life is far more interesting than what we've been told. And that everybody is here for a human experience. And so how do we support that human experience? Now, my view is much deeper than that and more evolutionary than just the human experience. I'm very passionate around the world thriving. I'm very much passionate around people thriving. And I'm very passionate around having a great partnership with the planet to take us into our destiny because we have to get that right. So this is why my purpose is to bring uh, the human experience in partnership with the digital world that is supportive and evolutionary for the individual future and for the future of humanity. So that's why the Internet of Things is the first thing. Then we have smart cities and digital twin. And now we have AI because we have sufficient data to actually program AI. So this really is about how do I support the destiny of my fellow brothers and sisters? If you want to say a little bit woo-woo, how do, how do I support the destiny of others? And, 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 and that's what it's all about. And I think woo-woo is just fine right now on that. <laughs> and Matthew, <laughs> oh, no, we, we, we talked too about the fact that it's, it's not a smooth journey. I often say to audiences, is there anyone in the audience that has had a life like this? Mm, no one raises their hand, right? And so you also shared the fact that um, there's a maturity phase in these lessons, and we have to use our wisdom and, and trust ourselves. Um, I'm I'm curious too. Who's the most interesting person you've met? Well, I, I, I'm going. Well, I, I'm going to list three people. Um, in fact, I'm going to list four. Uh, Stephen Hawking, um, um, the famous cosmologist and theoretical physicist that helped us to understand the universe. Um, the intelligence that came from Stephen was incredible during the short meeting that I had with him. Mm. Uh, so David Attenborough, who is probably the world's number one environmentalist and the famous BBC um, uh, uh, presenter on our world. Um, and the amount of compassion from that man uh, was just uh, incredible experience. Um, and also John Milton, who is a good friend of mine, who invented the, the, the word in environmentalism. But also Steve Wozniak uh, at Apple. And meeting Steve Wozniak was like meeting a genius quantum computer. He was, his intelligence, each one of these tapped into a different intelligence, right? Um, for Stephen, it was more of a universal intelligence combined with the brain and the mindset. With David Attenborough, it was very much an emotional compassion. And same with John uh, and deep wisdom. And then we, we, with Steve Wozniak, it was really uh, meeting a quantum computer. I mean, what an incredible individual. I mean, modern home computing would not exist if it wasn't for this, this genius. So those are probably the four people that have influenced me. And I've met lots of different people in all sorts of walks of life. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to speak to cab drivers or single moms or, or janitors or government leaders. I don't mind because people are just wonderful. Well, 
what a cadre of people you have just mentioned, and I know that you've probably met many others that you can't even tell us about. On your website, there's actually a picture I saw of you in a tuxedo with Steve Wozniak. Uh, it must have been in a speaking engagement or something. So to be able to say that you have sat in the in the room or had any interaction with any of those people is pretty incredible. And I think it's incredible I have an interaction, and we do too, with you today. I'm just curious, one more thing. What do you do for fun? Uh, what do I do for fun? And, and there's one other point that I'd just like to mention is that, the, the, that um, if you don't mind me mentioning this, is that um, and this goes to the hero's journey, and it's an encouragement to our audience that they can become whatever they they des desire to be. Is that my mum and dad had three jobs bringing me up, and I come from an uh, I would say a working class background, and I'm proud of that. And yet, through being on my hero's journey, I've sat down with some of the most influential and powerful people in the world, and you can do this too. And it doesn't mean that everybody's here to change the world. But we're all here to do something and to experience something. So I'd encourage people to do that. What I do for fun is that um, I'm spending a lot of time in the mountains finishing off this book, and we're really close to getting it out to the beta readers, uh, is I enjoy walking in nature. Um, I, I, I really enjoy socializing with people and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and just hanging out with them. I enjoy cooking. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of uh, organic food and non-GMO, and so I do a lot of cooking um, at home. And really, it, it's, it's really about spending time with people, either on Zoom or local people, at uh, respecting the social distancing. Um, it really is about people more than anything else. And, of course, I enjoy reading. So in the book, I actually talk about Aristotle, believe it or not. What has Aristotle got to do with artificial intelligence? Well, he has a lot of wisdom to share, and I'm modernizing that into new forms of AI. So uh, I, it really is a flavor of what how, a mixture of how do I personally develop, and really what do I, what makes my heart sing, hmm. and I do those things. You see, Matthew, what's so very interesting about our meeting and our wonderful discussion today is that. As I said to you on the phone, you're totally real, as brilliant as you are, as many things as you're doing all over the world, and as deep as you can go into the artificial intelligence and innovation world, you're just a regular guy, and we just had a fabulous interview, and I can't wait for this book to be launched and for people to get it. And it will be on Amazon, as you can see in the background. And I want to thank you personally for just being such a great guest today, Matthew. I wish you all the best. And I hope to see more of you. We'll have to have you back after the book is, uh, is out and moving along. And maybe another smart city is on its way. Okay? Thank you very much, Valerie. Thank you for having me. It's been a delight being here. Thank you. You're so welcome. And audience, you can find Matthew. You'll see it on the screen there, be sure. And, you know, why don't you just send him an email and say you saw the show and what you liked about it? I'd love for you to do that for me too, would you? 
And so in closing, as I always do, um, I want to thank you listeners for and those watching on the YouTube channel for tuning in again. I know you found it as fascinating as I did. And I also have a gift for you. It's uh, an article that I wrote about um, living in this disruptive world, the VUCA way, V-U-C-A. And I won't tell you what that means. You'll have to get the gift. Just go to my email, Valerie at ValerieAndCompany.com forward slash gift, and you will get a download for that. And my ask is always, if you enjoy the show, we won't know unless you let me know and hit that red button. Subscribe. Please subscribe so you won't miss any of them. And so for now, bye until next time. Okay, it's time for a Valerieism. Here it is for today. Life's a bowl of cherries, but it has its pits, <laughs> doesn't it? Um, you know, right now with this COVID that's going on, Many of us, including me, can see the pits in life, and they seem to be getting a little bit deeper. We're all in this COVID thing together. And so I just wanted to share with you, being very transparent, that last week, as positive as I am, I had a little bit of a downer time, and I had to kind of talk to myself. And sometimes I do that. Do you ever talk to yourself? Now, if you answer yourself, that's a whole other thing. But I did. I had to pull myself up. And for what it's worth, I thought I would share with you a couple of things. Three, actually. I'm a person that always says three things. Three things that I did, and it helped. And so I hope it helps you. Okay. First of all, I did get out of the house. I did. I went to the grocery store. But I didn't go to my normal grocery store. I went to a specialty store that I don't go to very often. And I just thought, well, I'm going to take the time to just look around uh, and see what specialty items they have. I love different kinds of chips and cookies and crackers. And sure enough, chocolate too. I found some things I'd never tried before. And so I made it an adventure. And you know what? It put a smile on my face as I unpacked them when I got home and saw a few things I could try that were different. So that was one thing. Then another thing I did was I took a couple of breaks each day for a few days just to say, Valerie, today I'm really grateful for. And I listed three things again, three things. Each time I did that, I said, I'm really grateful today for these three things. Because you know, when you talk about the things that you're grateful for, you don't have room in the brain to think about things you don't have. So that helped. And finally, okay, we all know exercise is good. And I have to tell you, I don't like to exercise. I am not the workout queen at all. But I do know it helps. And so I took a long walk, especially on a route that was absolutely beautiful. That's my Valerieism for today. I hope it helped. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.